Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Am I too close? Well, we're already on air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hi, Robin. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers. And I'm joined by, obviously, the beautiful Robin French. Next to Robin is Jordan, who's a little bit off screen. We need to get her on screen. And over here, we have uh, a couple of special guests, Reggie and Tish. Um, don't worry, they can't see you guys, but they can hear us. So. Good to see you. Good to see you. How's your day? Good. Well, Good. you've made it a little hectic, oh, haven't it you? It has been a hectic we need Dr. Brad Reedy here in Houston we to help do, us. We do. We flew in here on two wheels. <laughs> Didn't we? You know what, though? Guess what? Our our special guest today is Dr. Brad Reedy. Yay! So excited to have you. Thank you very, very, very much. Um, yeah. Dr. Reedy's been doing some work with our program, and he works across the country. And I know that you're going to read a quick bio. But thank you so much for taking time today. I know how busy you are. Thank you. Very honored to be here. Thanks for having me. You're thank welcome. You. And loving the hair. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> more than I have. <laughs> so I'm going to read a little bio, if you'll humor me. Uh, Dr. Brad Reedy is a co-owner and clinical director of Evoke Therapy Programs, a therapy program for adolescents, young adults, and families. He has served on the Utah Department of Child, Child and Family Services Board, the Board of National Association of Therapeutic Schools and Programs, and the Angard Arts Board. He's a prolific public speaker who has delivered keynote addresses at conferences, private events, nationally syndicated radio shows, and universities on experiential therapy, mental health issues, treatment, childhood issues, and parenting. After years as a parent educator, having broadcast over 1,400 webinars on parent and family issues, he co-authored The Audacity to Be You, Learning to Love Your Horrible Rotten Self, <laughs> and The Journey of Heroic Parent, Your Child's Struggle, and The Road Home. Welcome. Yeah, thank wow. you for having me. Wow. You bet. Thanks so much. We just ask you tell the audience how's the weather in uh, Salt Lake City or near Salt Lake City today? Absolutely perfect. Couldn't mm. ask for a better day. Yeah, I was just telling Lucky everyone I woke you. up at five thirty and it was eighty-one degrees. It's a little warm. It's not normally. It's about it's seventy-eight really usually. Humid for this early. It was hot this morning. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it was a nice run that that early. Um, I'd love to hear first about. Uh, your book, the, what is it? Horrible Rotten You. Yeah. <laughs> Horrible Rotten You. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, 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 uh, you know, it's really about, I, I talk about this and teach this to both parents and the therapist that I train. And, and uh, it's perhaps a little bit counterintuitive, which is until we're willing to own our, our stuff, yeah. our insecurities, our, our emotions, our feelings, our limitations, our insecurities, until we're ready to own that and kind of embrace that and learn to love that, the people around us that we serve professionally, the people around us that 
we love, that we care about, are going to suffer because we're going to need to make them the, the problem, the, the, the bad one, sure. the one mm-hmm. with the issue. So for me, it's about learning to embrace really. It's almost like the title of your podcast is the title of my book. Right. Absolutely. You know? That's why I started mm-hmm. with that. I was like, oh, that yeah. sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. Very so human. How do you, uh, in your experience, how do you get someone to own their stuff? You know, simply put, what I do is I provide a, a, a space, a place, a conversation where when they present to me something that they've done, something that they feel, something that they are, mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. You know, yep. sitting with an empathic, I've really learned this from being the client, not from being a therapist, sitting with an empathic other that doesn't have a, 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 an anxious, nervous, angry, disappointed, frustrated, or upset reaction starts to rewire the brain to say that that I'm okay. As my therapist has said to me, and I quote this in the book, and I'll clean it up a mm-hmm. little bit for the podcast, yep. <laughs> but she said to me about 15 years ago or so, she said, if you came in here telling me that you were having sex with a chicken, I would assume you had a good reason, and I would just want to understand why. There you go, yeah. So that moment you can sit with somebody who can, uh, can be curious about anything, mm-hmm. you start to heal. Genuine curiosity. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a mother yesterday and, and she asked about the process and what we do at Jay Flowers Health Institute and it's about the beginning of the process. And I said, so much of it is about bringing the anxiety level down. Right. And right. when you sit in a therapeutic alliance with a, with a, with a therapist and that mm-hmm. therapist can build, just have genuine curiosity mm-hmm. and the client can feel heard and feel relaxed. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. then the client feels comfortable in talking to you and starts building that trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, congrats on. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know what we call it? What? When they spend time with you and they bond with you. You've been flowered. <laughs> That's nice. Oh, I like that. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I should have not known that. You've just been flowered. <laughs> exactly. You know, again, thanks for so much for being here. What tips do you offer uh, parents with children with mental illness? You know, the, the, the most important thing is that children require great capacity, even yeah. children that aren't struggling. Hmm. So children that are struggling with mental health require more of our capacity. So yeah. the, the, the most simple and basic thing is you need help from somewhere else. If you don't take care of yourself mm-hmm. in therapy and 12-step groups with a mentor or sponsor, somebody that can hold space for you, if you don't take care of yourself over here, then your interactions with the child will serve to take care of you. Absolutely. Instead of to be there for them. So the most important thing is that there's no shame in needing help. I've, I'm a therapy client. I've had children in therapy. I've been to family therapy. So kind of destigmatizing and de-shaming the idea that we all need help. And if your child is struggling with addiction or mental illness issues, mm-hmm. you need more help. So take care of yourself so when you show up, you can be there for them instead of the reverse, which is part of the original problem, most likely. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. That's like, um, you know, that goes for uh, the families, the parents who have children with chronic pain and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like we know a few families right now where the parents, absolutely, they really need to take care of themselves. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. 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 And, and getting their own therapy. And some parents say, right. well, I'm so focused on her. I'm so focused on him. I don't have time to go to therapy. They have right. to take self-care and do their own therapeutic work. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, I'm, I, I know at Jay Flowers, it's, it's a similar process that it is for us where I, I call the kind of therapy we do Trojan horse therapy. Mm-hmm. The gift is we'll fix your identified patient, your child, 
your husband, your wife, your, your whomever. We'll work with them. But in the meantime, once you've accepted that gift, all of us professionals get out of the horse and surround the family and offer them support, encouragement, right. um, a, a place for them to be okay and to take care of themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, You actually said that yesterday. Yeah. And so when you're talking to parents about finding a therapist, right, go out and, and have a good therapist. How do you talk to parents about therapy and finding that right therapist? You know, I'm going to start off with the hardest task in finding a new therapist, which for me is when you tell a therapist what you don't like or what bothers you about them, something that they're offering where you don't feel heard, understood, you're not getting what you need. The moment that you share that with them, if they can hear and respond sensitively, empathically, in a caring way and say, I'm so sorry, I'll, I'll do what I can to help you, then you know you have one that you don't have to take care of, right. just like we were talking about. So I think it's about a therapist who, who will accept your agenda mm -hmm. to start off with, what you need, what you're asking for, where their theory, their model, their technique doesn't eclipse or get in the way of understanding you. So for me, it's about having a therapist that has the flexibility and the capacity to meet you where you're at and then to, to find a way, however possible, to support you where you need to go instead of them coming in saying, I know what you need to do. I'm the expert on your life. Follow me and I'll teach you how to do it right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear that phrase often and, and parents will tell me, every therapist I've seen and every treatment center my son or daughter has been to said they'll meet my son where he is or my loved one where he is. And none of them met him where he is. So what does that mean to you when a therapist meets you where you are? It means that I understand the defenses as a part of their solution. And I'm not interested right away in getting rid of the symptom or the defense. But my method, which is attachment based, is I try to just like the story about the chicken I told him a moment ago. Instead of saying, well, having sex with a chicken is really not a good idea, especially for the chicken. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my therapist is saying, why, what's going on for you? Tell me about that. I want to understand it. And in unraveling that, 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 that part inside of me that, that is leading this to behavior, I heal. That's when that we meet them. I think a lot of people use the phrase, meet them where they're at. I do too. But then they attack the defense. They, yes. they, they go right up against it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do you, speaking of defense, how do you as a therapist, uh, uh, not combat, but how do you therape therapeutically align with a combative client, right? Who just mm. says, I'm not the problem. There's not an issue here. Yeah. Some are more challenging than others, mm -hmm. of course, yep. depending upon the level of defense. I was just talking about this. My wife and my daughter and my daughter's boyfriend are all therapists. So we were chatting last night about having clients that present exactly the way that you're, you're talking about, Dr. Flowers. And what I, what I was describing is I tried to understand, I try to believe, I actually believe that they have a good reason for being skeptical, that they've been hurt in the past, right. that they've been institutionally or clinically abused, if you will. Maybe that's too strong of a language mm -hmm. for most people, but I, I have to assume that that combativeness serves a purpose. So if I can, if I can say that makes sense, I, I know I've been mistreated by authority figures, even people in the therapeutic world, immediately you can see that defense, that, that nervous system starts to downregulate, yeah. starts to relax because I'm not telling them how they should. I, 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 I despise the phrase, trust the process. Mm because I think it's a therapist's kind of shortcut or cheating saying, 
just trust me. And what I say to my therapist that I train is, if somebody comes in distrusting of our process, they have a good reason for that. And spend time honoring that distrust rather than trying to get rid of it. Yep, completely agree. Yeah. Can you talk to our parents about feeling guilt or shame? There is a, a, a large idea in the therapeutic world that guilt and shame are different, that shame is feeling bad for who you are and guilt is feeling bad for what you do. But I'll just say it this way. They're, they're really closely related. If they're not the same, they're, they're, they're siblings, really closely related. Yeah. And what I will tell you is this, is people have to learn to feel guilt, to tolerate, to do battle with guilt, to do the right thing, mm -hmm. to tell the truth, to, to say no or I can't, or set a boundary. So this idea that guilt is associated with mental health and morality is nonsense. Mm -hmm. Guilt tells us constantly to do the wrong thing. It tells us that we're hurting somebody else and that that's not okay. So what I tell parents is you have to get comfortable digging in and swimming around with it and understanding what your guilt and your shame are teaching you because by and large, for the most part, they're lying to you. And everybody that I talk to can think of at least one thing immediately, if not hundreds, that if they did and it was the right thing, they would still feel guilty. And that tells you that guilt is not a reliable source of right and wrong and morality. So you have to debunk that idea first and foremost. And then you just have to do battle with it or else, in my experience, for me, I'll say for me, I'm not making progress in my life if I'm not suffering and struggling with some kind of guilt. That's right. Absolutely. Mm. Switching topics just a little bit on there. Let's talk about a, a parent with a child, an adult child even, that may have uh, severe chronic pain issues, medical right. issues, uh, uh, co-occurring mental health issues, and potentially even co-occurring addiction, right, to help with right. chronic pain and the perception of pain and, and, and maybe somatic symptoms, somatic symptoms on top of it that just overdoes, that's constantly trying to help that loved one just at the risk of her own life, right? The parent's life of overdoing it for the child. How do you talk to parents about separating and allowing the treatment team, if that's outpatient therapy per se, to do their job and get out of the way? How do you talk to families about getting out of the way? First and foremost, I have to hold their pain, right? Mm -hmm. The parent's pain. Yeah. And, and somehow help them help me make sense out of what I call the difficulty of sitting in empathic misery. Yeah. Mm. It's really hard. And so I have to sit with them first because in, in a way, Dr. Flowers, you presented to me what I call an unsolvable problem in, in the sense that chronic pain mm. may not be resolvable. Mm -hmm. And so talk about the human condition. You have to first sit with that parent, understand them, provide a safe place for them, and then gently, gently help them take small steps toward tolerating really difficult, overwhelming feelings. It, it's not that much different than dealing with any other person with any other presenting issue. In, in essence, not to be too simple, but to, to make it digestible, we have to um, learn to feel. Yeah. And some problems, there's no solution to. If you mm -hmm. lose somebody to an addiction or somebody has chronic pain, pain that there's no solution for, and then you put on top of it the somatic stuff and the therapeutic mm -hmm. stuff, but, but in general, there's just some problems we have to learn to feel and deal with. So I provide the safe container, allow them to feel their empathic misery and pain. And then by so doing, I'm kind of showing them how to do it. But man, that's a really, 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 really hard thing as a parent. I know as a parent of four 
that's a really hard thing to learn how to tolerate and breathe through. Yeah, absolutely. It, it certainly is. Um, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to ask, at what point did they come to you for care? I mean, um, how, did they, how did they navigate their way to you? Well, at Evoke, it's usually the, there's a pretty clear identified patient, right? Mm -hmm. There's a child struggling. And so, again, we, we accept that as the ticket for entry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, our work, both in our wilderness program but also in our intensive program, is we have some, some processes, some ideas that can help anybody who's suffering. That, that doesn't matter if you're the, the primary patient, the identified patient, or okay. you're the loved one of, of a patient. And so we're, we're, we're here to, to, to take care of you. So for us, you know, I get people writing me because of my books, because of my podcasts, all kinds of reasons. And, and it it's really comes down to, can I support you and what you need? Can I give you what you need? Listen, mm -hmm. provide that, that container, that safe space and container so that you can heal and move through your process, your human process. Mm -hmm. And then in a way, I'm like I said earlier, I'm modeling, but I'm saying, I mean, essentially, I want to do the same thing for the parent of an addicted child that I would want the parent to do for that addicted child, which is yeah. have boundaries, right? Take care of myself first. That's my job, independent of the client. And then what can I do to support you getting to where you need to go that doesn't take away from that first thing of boundaries. So I'm modeling for a mother, for a father, for a spouse, hopefully the same process that is going to be required of them with other people, which is take care of yourself first mm -hmm. and then love the other person as best you can. And if number two starts to compromise number one, go back to number one. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's just those two steps over and over again. Yep. Mm -hmm. You bet. Talk to the, uh, I would say, parents, mm -hmm. uh, families of, of, of uh, mentally ill patients uh, or addicted patients and therapists about preventing parental burnout. Mm. Yeah. Burnout is a fascinating thing because, um, you know, I was, I, I was driving. In fact, if this therapist hears, the, hears this, they're going to they're gonna make fun of me. But I was driving with a therapist recently to head out to our wilderness area. And he happened to take a couple of calls from parents that were calling on our way out to the field. And sure. they took the calls. And, and we, were, we were doing supervision and preparing for the day. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, you have permission not to take that call. And he said, well, it's my extra customer service that I'm just going to do. It's, it's not our scheduled time. And I said, okay, that can be okay, but you're doing more that you need to do. You, the, if we do this well, mm -hmm. we prevent suffering. We, we mitigate suffering. So my idea, Dr. Flowers and Robin, is that per, burnout is when you're working on something that's not within your purview, not within yeah. your control. So we have to I, – I, I talk about this all the time as a therapist, professional, and father. We have to learn – to disappoint people and let them down. If we mm -hmm. are to grow as professionals, we have to become comfortable with letting people down, with dropping balls. And I don't know about you guys, but that's not an easy task, even no. for, you know, for me. Right. It's really hard to live in that space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What does it mean to be a heroic parent? So the title of my first book, yeah. The Journey of the Heroic Parent, is based on Joseph Campbell, the greatest American mythologist that has ever lived. <laughs> Star Wars is based on his work. He's wonderful. And he talks about how in every great story or myth, there's one story. It's the heroic journey. And for me, no matter the story or the specifics of it, it's just being willing to look inside of yourself. Yep. And, and, and I think the heroic parent is one who's willing to do their own work, right. who's willing to walk into an Al-Anon meeting for the first time <laughs> or a parent coaching session for the first time 
or a codependence anonymous meeting for the first time. That is the heroic journey, the journey to all metaphors and storytelling are about going inside of here, going inside of ourselves. So the hero looks inward and to be non-heroic, if you were, were is to look for the problem outside of yourself, for look, to look for the problem in others, in the other. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I wanted to ask about your wilderness program. Yeah. Uh-huh. Could you tell us more of the parents listening who don't know about it? Yeah, it's a nomadic primitive living, which means that they're out there for about 10 weeks on average and they do everything in small groups. So everything becomes this kind of microcosm for life, right? They're, they're camping, they're, they're hiking, they're building shelters every day. They're, they're creating, you know, they're creating a, a kitchen area and a living area. So everything becomes this kind of, <clears throat> I always say it's like life only more. It's <coughs> unplugged, good sleep, exercise, outdoor, nature. I mean, you're starting to describe everything that researchers would tell you to do for mood issues and addiction issues without even talking about the therapy. And then on mm-hmm. top of that, we have a really sophisticated therapeutic team. And not only do we get access to things in clients that we wouldn't normally get if it was just talk therapy because it's such a raw, provocative experience, but I find that we get parents' investment more because there's a vulnerability to having your child in the mountains of Utah or Oregon. And because of that, there seems to be this increased investment in parents saying, what do I need to do? Just give me the assignments. I'll do the work. Of course, that's not universal, but yeah. it's basically camping and being outside in small groups. And NASA uses it with their, with their astronauts. If mm-hmm. they haven't worked together, NASA will use primitive living wilderness experiences because they, they found that exercises and, and, and uh, contrived experiences aren't as powerful at generating vulnerability and kind of that natural exposure to all of your emotions, problem solving and relationships issues. So it's just, a, it's just for, for people who don't know it, it's, it's camping outdoors and then therapy on top of that. And that, that's a pretty decent recipe for, for healing for a lot of people. What's yeah. the ages? Oh, we have an uh, adolescent and young adult. So uh, most of our clients are between 13 and 18. Okay. And then we have also young adult, we have a couple of young adult groups, 18 to 22. And again, they're, they're coming voluntarily they have to want to be there when they're, they're, they're above 18. That's a big commitment on their part. And then we have an intensive program for individuals and families who want to come for a three, four, five, six-day experience in northern uh-huh. Utah to do psychodrama, a, a deep dive into their own family of origin to see how that's affecting their current-day dilemmas and relationships. Absolutely. So we do that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and talking about finding a wilderness program and finding the right therapist and, yeah. and collaborating with you, I think that that what I was thinking in my head is, is that's one of the reasons that it's so important to come to a facility uh, or an institute like the J Flowers Health Institute to really undergo that comprehensive diagnostic evaluation. Mm -hmm. So that when they go into the wilderness, right, is a wilderness program appropriate? You have this beautiful, they arrive, he has this beautiful MRI of this Mm -hmm. patient's life that really gives them a full understanding of the person with whom they're sitting. It's a crystal clear image of diagnoses, lack of diagnoses, right? Right. Is there a diagnosis? Is there not a diagnosis? What's the right diagnosis? What's their history? What's their trauma? Mm -hmm. Are they appropriate? And then here you go. Now you can kind of start your amazing program. 
Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. So, yeah, it's been a beautiful collaboration. We love mm-hmm. working with you. We do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your uh, consulting that you do? Well, I also do clinical supervision yep. consulting. I mean, I, I my life's mission, uh, my bliss, my my is to help all therapists, all healers, yeah, work through the issues and the barriers that they inherently carry around because of their trauma, so that they can be better healers for the people that they serve. Yeah. I, I saw this this documentary about this this prison program, and one of the prisoners said, "It was a beautiful moment." He said. I'm beginning to understand that we're all traumatized people who were raised by traumatized people. So my job is teaching therapy, teaching about our own issues and how they show up in therapy as professionals. It's really a parallel process between me as a supervisor, the therapist, mm-hmm. parents if there's parents involved, right. the children if there are children there. So it's just to provide teaching, education, support in spaces where therapists can work out their own issues. So I, I teach therapists all the time. You're a disaster. <laughs> yeah. And you're a miracle. Mm. And the sooner you embrace all of that, the better off it's going to be for your children if you have them and for your clients when you have them. And so it's about embracing the human condition for all of us. It's about learning to love your horrible, rotten self so that you don't have to make other people the problems in your life. And I think that goes for parents and I know it goes for therapists. So it's mm. about teaching and training, speaking, and, the, and I'll, I'll do it You know, at, at this point. I do it all over the world because there's no shortage of need for for healers to have that same kind of space that they're providing for the people that they love and care for. Yeah, absolutely. And you're absolutely amazing at what you do. I know you came to Houston, you worked with our clinical team, and I wasn't able to join that day. I don't remember what I was doing. And uh, I walked in about lunchtime and all the therapists were walking out and they were all crying. And I was like, Uh-oh. what's wrong? What's wrong? And they were like, he's amazing. <laughs> he's changing our lives. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they were, you know, the thing about your team that was amazing is um, it didn't take much. You yeah. know, a few questions and mm. they really were, they were ready to, to lean into their, their humanity, right? Yeah. And tell stories and how it was affecting their conceptualization of cases. And for the folks that are thinking about Jay Flowers, that know about Jay Flowers, I will tell you something about that team. You have a team of people that are willing to hold on to and, and work on their own stuff in the context of being a therapist and a, right. and a healer. And that's what you want. Yeah. If a therapist or a therapeutic program isn't willing to be self-critical without shame, without a lot of self-punishment and, and, and self-guilt, then you have something there because that's the thing that's contagious. That's the thing that that finds its way to the client who's suffering, who thinks they're a hopeless case. So yeah. thank you, yeah. and it's a credit to how, what a beautiful team of professionals you have. They're oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, we can't wait to see you back here. Yes. Uh, around June 25th, I think, something yeah, like that. Right around then, yeah. Sometime around the end yeah. of June. Yeah. yeah, it'll be nice and hot. Um, <laughs> a little bit of humidity. I yeah, yeah. I exactly. Yeah, well, we're so excited to, to again, have you. Uh, we love collaborating with you and your programs. And and um, thank you for taking time today. We really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank now, you for having me. If someone wants to reach you, Dr. Reedy, how do they reach you? Best way to reach me is to go to evoketherapy.com or drbradreedy.com. Either one of those places is a great place to, to find out about the work that we do, about 
all those services and all of the, the podcasts, the webinars, everything we provide to the public also. So are you telling me that you have boundaries and you don't give your cell phone out to parents? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. It's about We've not responding it. to the parents. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we have it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have it right there. I know. And if they want to reach J Flowers Health or you, Dr. Flowers? Yeah, the best way to do it is jflowershealth.com. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again. Dr. Reedy, good to see you, and thank you so much, and hope to see you soon. See you in a few weeks. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you.